please remain standing. Um, Tina is coming to read our scripture for us this morning, uh, taken from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. It's found there in the Pew Bibles there in front of you. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles there in front of you, it's found on page 739. Or if you'd like to follow along in your own Bible, you're invited to and encouraged to do so as well. Again, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. The cost of following Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that, that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. At one time in my life, if you can imagine it, I had uh, strips cut into the side of, of my hair. And on the other side, on the other side of my head, I had, I had the number nine uh, carved into my hair. That was my baseball number. I, 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 my, my, eighth grade, my eighth grade self was living, the best, was living my best life as an eighth grader. I had, my hair was, was short on the front, but um, it, was, it was long in the back. You know, you know what, I mean, it's, it was a mullet, the party or the business on front, party in the back. I even, had a, I even had a perm in the back, if you can imagine that. Why did I do, why did I do things? Well, because it was really cool. All my, all my classmates were doing those things as well. I, I found myself at, at different times as I've, uh, by the way, I've destroyed all evidence of those haircuts also. <laughs> um, I, I remember wearing skinny jeans with, um, with, uh, with high-top white tennis shoes with the laces untied. You remember those? The, the oversized shirts as well. I, another time, I remember wearing, uh, we, we called them parachute pants. Uh, with the, I mean, the, the, I mean, the, it was, you know, it, it, was, it was crazy. 
it was crazy what was going on uh, with some of the things. Why did, why did we wear those things? Well, because everybody else was wearing those things. Well, uh, it, it kind of continued whenever I was in college. And it, and it was not just how I dressed or my haircut. It was even, well, I found a, I found a church when I, was in, when I was in college. And it was the most popular church in town at that time uh, to go to. It was on the edge of town. And, and uh, I had heard about this church. The, the preacher had a, I mean, the preacher had a really, I mean, he was, he was a really, really, really good preacher. Uh, and, I mean, went verse by verse through the Bible and, and there was, I mean, the, the entire congregation was, was, I mean, it was all college students. But you really had to look a certain way and you had to dress a certain way as well. And so I made sure that I, I mean, I, 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 um, I, I got it at a secondhand store, but I made sure that I got the, I got the shirt with the little writer and, and uh, man on it. I, I made sure that there was a right logo on my shirt. I, I, I made sure that I, uh, that I had, had the right style of shoes. I even went out and bought the right kind of belt, even. It was a braided belt, and, and took that braided belt. You remember how you used to loop it back through there in the early 90s? I did that, um, and um, I, I borrowed some of my, uh, my roommate's really expensive cologne to make sure that I showed up smelling right as well. And, uh, and I got there, and it was, I mean, it was a really cool church. It was the place to, 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 to see and to be seen. Um, and it was, I mean, it was full of absolutely beautiful people. And after a couple of weeks there, I realized I had no business being there. I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in at all. But I wanted to go there because it was the, it was the popular place to go. It was, it was the easy place to go. Um, and so that's what I found myself doing for a number of weeks. Y- you know, for many of us, for many of us, not, not cer- now, I, by the way, I know that I'm preaching mainly to the choir in some sense this morning. I mean, who else? Who else would would come to church on Memorial Day weekend after some late night storms roll through? I recognize this morning that I am that I am speaking to some of the most committed of all committed folks, not only in our church but but those of you who are. And if you're if you're passing through town and you're in you're, you're in church on vacation, I know that you're part of the choir as well. Um, but but I, I mean, it's, well, I wonder sometimes, well, I know, at least for myself, sometimes I wonder really how deep my faith really goes. I mean, it really is real easy for me. I mean, for goodness sakes, I'm, I'm paid to be at church. I mean, I'm, I'm a professional Christian. That's really what I am. I mean, I like to think that I would, I would be in church if I wasn't paid to be here, but, but I'm, I mean... It's really easy for me to come to church. And I'll be honest, for most of us, it's really easy for us to be in church. I mean, we have, all, we have, a, we have a smorgasbord of churches that we, can, that we can pick out. Whichever one is our kind of flavor, we kind of, you know, whether it's, whether it's the style of music, you know, we, we pick the one that's the style of music that we, that we like. We pick the one that's our favorite location. We pick the one that has, has the most convenient time, the most convenient time for us. Sometimes I, I ask myself, how, how, deep, how deep really is our faith? Is it, is it deeper than, than emotional worship services or, or potlucks? Is it, is it, is it, is it deeper than, than, than hearing a, a soothing sermon designed to comfort my itching ears? 
Is it deeper than seeing good friends in a state-of-the-art and, and very comfortable and climate-controlled room with, with, with beautiful stained glass surrounding us? Is it, is, is it deeper than my feeling of superiority of over, uh, over others who have slept in on this holiday weekend or, or on this stormy weekend? Is it deeper than attending worship on, on Christmas and Easter and, and maybe even Mother's Day if we're really committed? Today we're continuing our sermon series dealing with some real difficult teachings of Jesus. Some teachings that, to be honest, most of us have kind of censored Jesus enough. I mean, we make Jesus out to be this meek and mild Savior. This this Savior that, that really never confronts anyone, but just... I mean, he hugs all the little children, and he's so kind and, and snugly soft, and, and he's just so nice and kind, and he's just our big buddy. We, we've censored Jesus to make, him, to make him like that, but that's not who Jesus was at all. Jesus was confrontational. Jesus had, had some teachings that, uh, that, that strikes us right, in the, right at the very heart of who we are. And we've looked, at, we've looked at some of those teachings that many of us have tried to censor out of our faith. But this sermon series is helping us understand that we need to, we need to uncensor Jesus. We need to, we need to take a fresh look at some of those very difficult sayings and teachings of Jesus. And, and I have found that this, this, teachings of Jesus, this, this teaching of Jesus, this, this statement that he makes is, is, one of the more, is one of the more difficult statements that he makes in all of his, in all of his teachings and, and preaching. There, there were some large crowds that were following Jesus at this point. Large, large crowds. These were the kinds of crowds. Uh, the people in these crowds had, had been the people who had been healed. They, I mean, literally, the, the blind had, had been given sight. The, the lame had been able to walk. Those who were, those, those who were unable to hear had been, had, had been given the gift of hearing. Those who had been, literally, those who had been lost had now been found. Those who had been on the outside, now they had been welcomed into the family of God. And they had been able to, to eat their fill as well. They, they, they had come to hear him preach and teach, and they had no food, but food was given to them. They, they, they saw their loved ones literally being raised from the dead. It was easy to follow Jesus. Oh, it was easy to follow Jesus. He was, he was one who was, who was giving everything and meeting their very, even their very needs. But then this then chapter 14 of the Gospel of Luke occurs, and it is a critical chapter as you read through the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 14 really is the, is the chapter when, when everything begins to change. Jesus begins to set his eyes upon Jerusalem, and he starts, he starts making his way, his way toward Jerusalem, and he turns to the crowd, and they fully, they fully expected him at this point, after all that they had seen, after everything that he had done, they fully expected Jesus to say something like this. If anyone would come after me and be my disciple, he shall have wealth and honor in abundance. That's exactly what they thought that Jesus was about to say. If anyone would come after me, that person is going to have wealth and significant honor. But instead, he said the exact opposite. Because he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming in his own life. He knew what was coming for his disciples that was following him. He knew what was coming for those who were in the crowd, and he knew what was coming for you and for me. 
these are the words, these are the words of an extremist. These are the words of a, of a, of a, of a demented preacher like Jim Jones or, or David Koresh. Hating your parents, <laughs> hating your, 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 your husband or your wife, hating your, your children. These are the words of a, of a demented preacher of a demented preacher, hating your parents was, was tantamount to, to religious treason at that day. One of the ten most honored and sacred commandments was to honor your father and your mother. Family was at the very heart of that entire culture, of that entire Jewish culture. Family was at the very heart. You took care of your aging parents. You took care of your children. The especially women, had no rights whatsoever, so husbands were commanded to take care of their wives. And we find in the New Testament, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. What are we to make of this? When Jesus says, whoever does not, whoever, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel puts it just a little bit different. And by the way, I think Matthew's gospel may get more at the meaning of what Jesus was saying. Anyone who loves his family more than me is not worthy of me. That's what that's how Matthew's gospel puts it. Anyone who loves his family more than me is not worthy of me. He means that, that no love in life can compare with the love that we must bear toward him. And that's hard for us to fathom, isn't it? It's hard for me to fathom being able to love my mom and dad more than, than any... I, I can't imagine loving someone more than I love my mom and dad. They're beginning to age a little bit. They're still very, very active. Many of you have met them at Christmas or at Easter and some other events here at First Church. They're beginning to age just a little bit. I'm gonna, hopefully, I'm going get, to get to go see them uh, this, this afternoon and spend a little bit of time. I love them so much. I can't imagine loving more than I, than I love them. I, I, I love I mean, 25 years ago, I, I made a commitment, almost, 20, almost exactly 25 years ago, I made a commitment to, 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 to my wife that I was going to love her, and I can't imagine loving anyone else more than I love my wife. I, I remember the very first time I laid eyes on my two children. I can't, ima I can't imagine loving any more than these, than, these three fam than these three people right here. I can't imagine it. But Jesus says, Jesus says that if our love and commitment to God, if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's not as much as our love and commitment to our families, we can't be any part of him. I would rather have him said, if anyone would come after me and be my disciple, you're going to have lots of wealth, you're going to have lots of honor. But no, he, he said, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to come after me, you, you cannot love anything, even your parents, even your spouse, 
even your children, you cannot love and can be committed to them more than you're committed to me. Now again, to, to us in, the, in, the, in our 21st century American ears, this sounds, again, like a demented, radical preacher, but, but in that time, they knew exactly what he was talking about because they knew when they committed to following Jesus Oftentimes, they indeed were going to have to choose between their following Jesus and their family. They knew that when they became a, a follower of Jesus Christ, their families were going to disown them. Their parents were going to disinherit them. Their children were going to turn their back on them. They were going to be divorced. They knew that. And Jesus said, if you're not willing to leave all of that behind, the relationship with your parents, the relationship with your children, even the relationship with your own spouse. If you're not willing to leave that behind, you're really not a follower of mine at all. You're just simply a comfortable part of the crowd. Sitting on our cushioned pews, waiting for someone to salve our itching ears. Jesus says, we better be willing we better be willing to say that our love for God and our commitment to God far, far exceeds even our very commitment to our own families. And then he continues. He doesn't just leave it there. If that wasn't bad enough, he continues that we must carry our own cross. We must carry our own cross. Now we, now we again, we, it's, hard, it's hard for us to comprehend the, the gravity of this statement. We, we buy gold crosses and hang them around our necks. We have a, we have a cross in our, in our home, or we have a, a wall in our home that's just made up of crosses, beautiful crosses, crosses that we've collected from all around the world. Whenever we go to another country, we, we buy a cross in that country, and we bring it home and, and put it on this wall, and we have, we have crosses from all over the world. We have crosses as decorations. Heck, we even have, we even have chrome crosses that we put on the back of our luxury SUVs, don't we? I mean, the cross is just simply a decoration for us. No way, no how would a, would, would, a, would a Jewish synagogue have a cross in their synagogue. No way, no how in the first century. No way, no how. Because they knew what a cross was. It was a way of torture. It was the most demented way of death that had ever been developed. The cross was a, was a symbol of enslavement, a, a symbol of subservience, the, 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 a symbol of the utter powerlessness of the Hebrew people. It was a, it was a, a symbol of the tyranny of the Roman Empire. It was, it was a, a symbol of Rome's torturous treatment of their citizens, and no way, no how were they going to hang that around their, uh, around their necks. It was the worst form of, tur of torture that the, that the imperial Roman Empire could ever invent. But Jesus said, unless, unless we are willing to share in the freedom of the cross, the freedom of service, the freedom of humility, the freedom of even losing our own lives, we cannot be a follower of his. Unless we are willing to go to our deaths, we cannot be a follower of his. You see how different that is? 
You see how different that is than our, than our cultural Christianity that we have in our, in, our, in, in our country today? Again, it is so very easy for us to attend worship. It is so very easy for us to tell the world that we are Christians. But Jesus says, unless you are willing to willfully die for your faith, you're not really a, you're not a disciple at all. You're simply in the crowds getting what you need, certainly getting what you need, but not a full devoted follower, not a full devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Unless you are willing to take up your cross, you're not a disciple. Unless you're willing to give up everything, Absolutely everything, he says. Oh, it's easy. It's easy to say, oh, Lord, I will follow you anywhere. Do you remember who said that? It was Peter. Pete, uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples that he said that, that I, I, <laughs> the Son of Man must go <laughs> and be handed over to the authorities, and, and I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for you. And Peter said, Oh Lord, I'm willing to go wherever. I'm willing to. I'm. Wi- I am so willing to give up everything and follow you. Do you remember what happened? Peter denied Jesus. He denied he even knew him three different times. When Jesus was going to the cross, do you know how many of the disciples were were walking alongside him on the, on the way to the cross? Not a one of them. They had all abandoned him. It's so very easy to say that we're, oh, I'd be willing to give up everything. Would you really? You see, we censor these kinds of things out of the teachings of Jesus. We make Jesus meek and mild and and lowly, and he's just here to, to meet our very needs. Jesus demands it all. Every bit. Every bit of our lives, every bit of our, every bit of our resources, every bit of our time, every bit of our hearts, every bit of our relationships. You see, we so often we are we're willing. I mean, we're willing to go a ways. We're willing to serve to some extent. We're willing to follow to some degree. But when our allegiance to God conflicts with our allegiance to another person or our allegiance to our family, well, then we we choose our family. When, when we are called to make sacrifices, well, we, we sacrifice, well, until it gets, until, until we start to feel it a little bit. We give until, until, it, starts, it, starts, until it starts impacting our, our, our lifestyle. We attend worship until there's a, well, I don't know, a children's event there, or a, a, a soccer tournament or, or something that, eh, you know, those things are going to take priority. You see, Jesus Christ has told us that we must be willing to offer everything, absolutely everything in our lives. We must be willing to give it all up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. May the Lord find me worthy. And may the Lord find you worthy. You see, we've counted the cost. We know ultimately it's going to cost us everything. It's, it, 
it, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. When is it going to come onto the line? When, when are we going to have to make a stand and be willing to sacrifice everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Make that decision now. No matter what, you're willing to give up family. You're willing to give up relationships. You're willing to give up your finances. You're willing to give up everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Oh, Lord, this is a hard saying. Because we can't imagine loving our families more, more than anything. We can't imagine willfully dying for you. We can't imagine what, it's, what it must be like to be willing to give up everything for you. But that's the kind of radical discipleship that you've called us to. You've called us to get out of our comfortable, cushioned pews. You've called us to, to not find an, a, a, an ointment or a salve for our itching ears. You have called us to, to not find a way to make it as easy as we can and to do the minimum just to be able to, to skate into heaven just barely. But instead, you've called us to be radical in how we follow you, being willing to give up everything. Yes, everything, even our own lives for your sake, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we be willing to give up absolutely everything right now as we bow before you we offer you everything that we have and everything that we are Lord we offer you our lives we offer you our hearts we offer you our families we offer you our resources all that we have and all that we are, we lay at the foot of the cross right now. Lord, may we be found to be faithful disciples. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.